Welcome to The Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to The Corner. Hello, everyone. Very happy to welcome you on this new episode of Le Corner International. Um, today, we're very happy to have Felipe by our side. Felipe, hi, how are you? I'm fine. Hi, JB. Hi, Sam. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Great, great to have you. JB, good to have you here once again yeah. with us, my friend. Nice to be with you too, guys. Terrific. Um, so, Felipe, First things first, um, you work at Atletico Minero. You have a you know tech background. Uh, you had your own podcast. You had previous lives before this role, but uh, it would be great if you can give us a little introduction of yourself, your journey here. Um, and yeah, floor is yours. Okay, so uh, I'm the head of innovation at Club Atletico Mineiro now. Uh, it's one of the biggest uh, football clubs in South America. Uh, I'm a journalist, so I started my career as a producer and a broadcast coordinator at Sport TV, which is the biggest sports uh, TV channel in, in Brazil. Uh, I worked there for almost five years, and then I decided to, 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 to leave. Uh, I wanted to experiment with new things. Uh, I'm a very curious person. I really like to experiment new, new things and, and see uh, where I can go. And after that, I worked in different companies from different sectors. Uh, I had two companies too. Uh, and I came back to, to the, the sports business in the beginning of 2019 uh, when the Brazilian Basketball League, they, they, were, they, they were looking for someone with experiences in, in broadcasting. And I had a friend that worked there and they, they called me to, to, to go there and Uh, in the beginning of 2019, uh, I started as a broadcast coordinator in the Brazilian Basketball League. And because of my interest in, uh, in innovation and technology, I started to you know, uh, introduce some startups from Brazil and from abroad in the league. So one example, we, we were the first client of WSC in South America. Uh, it was a deal that I closed. And... But, you know, after 13 months, unfortunately, the, the, the pandemic came in and like every sport in the world, the league first suspended and then canceled the, the season. And then I had to I had to leave uh, the league. Uh, then I was invited to 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 be uh, uh, to work at Enzima, which which is a, a, a sports innovation consultancy here in Brazil. And there. The, the main project that we, that we did was the first uh, open innovation program of a Brazilian football club uh, with Ceará Sporting Club, which is a, a first division club here in Brazil. And, and, and during my time in, at Enzima, it was the time that I had uh, the podcast where you, Sam, was, was one of my guests. Uh, but, you know, uh, in the beginning of this year, uh, Atletico started... Uh, restructuring uh, res uh, uh, restructuring uh, uh, it's the, the organization uh, they hired EY to help that to help them with that in that process and this position of head of innovation was created 
And I had a, a good relationship with Leandro Figueiredo, which is my boss today, the, the, business, the business director here. And he called me and he said that, you know, he wanted to indicate me for the job and asked me if I was interested. And I said, yes. And then I started here in March of this year. So it's funny. It's actually the pandemic. It had a lot of influence on a lot of organizations. <laughs> and you, at a personal level, it actually made you go from the traditional way of working for a broadcaster and, and, and a league, obliging you to go back to your first love, which was basically startups and innovation. It's and now you find, found a, a role again in innovation in a club, which is obviously a new vertical for you. Exactly, exactly. Uh, of course, that we have all the problems that the, 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 the pandemic brought. But if I had to analyze professionally, it was a very good uh, period uh, to me. Probably if the pandemic didn't happen, uh, I, I would be still working at the Brazilian Basketball League, which was good. I was very happy there too, but I have to say that today I'm, I'm happier. <laughs> Because football is your favorite sport to begin with? Yes, it is. Uh, I really like not only football, but it was my first passion in sports. Definitely here in Brazil, it's pretty common. Uh, basically, everyone loves football, uh, but, I, but I, I also love basketball. I also love uh, MMA, for example. Uh, but mm. uh, yes, uh, 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 football is my, is my main sport. <laughs> for, for me, like Felipe, when you said broadcast and the companies you had, it seems like what for, for you, like what, what is interesting is what does it give you today in terms of like you mentioned WSC and I think more than purely the broadcast, you also had this kind of a business interest or this kind of startups mode and stuff like that. So what, what do you take from these two experiences being in the broadcast, so a bit more traditional, but also on the other side of the table with the startups in terms of like not helping you in your daily job today, but what, what did it bring you? Talking about you know, broadcasting, uh, when we talk about you know, uh, TV rights, it's basically the, the biggest, uh, uh, at least here in Brazil, the biggest mm -hmm. revenue uh, that you know, clubs have. And you know, being aware about how that business works, to me, is very important. It helps me a lot to understand uh, what is happening in the media business today. It's changing a lot, consumer behavior and all that kind of stuff. And because of my background, you know, I'm pretty interested in that. I'm always reading about it. I'm always talking to people from the industry. So this helped me a lot. And talking about, you know, my, my entrepreneur uh, background, I, although I'm not a successful entrepreneur, I had two companies and they both failed pretty fast. But, you know, I learned a lot with that. And I think that, you know, this is uh, basically, like I said, I'm a very curious person i'm always trying to experiment new things to learn about new things and i i think that i was entrepreneur not only in my own companies but working for other companies i'm always you know trying to start new projects and to like i said uh, experiment with new things and that is something that i brought here to atletico too because they give me a lot of freedom to do that so I'm always trying to have new ideas. I'm always uh, talking to different people from all around the world and see how we can you know, do different things here uh, at Atletico. So I believe that uh, those two things are, are things that are helping me a lot in my, in my position today. Mm. Yeah, and that's interesting, right? That's part of the entrepreneur journey. The, the idea is to fail fast, but at least you experiment and until you find something that sticks. And actually that dynamic is also a dynamic you can bring inside a club, right? There are a lot of startups 
available out there that are willing to try stuff and find intelligent business model, which makes probably even more sense uh, given your position in Brazil and the reality of the sports business over there, right? Definitely, definitely. And 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 actually, Sam, this is not common here in, in the sports industry in Brazil. Uh, like I said before, it, they are very uh, conservative, uh, but I see that as a very good opportunity because when you have like an open mind, people start looking at you, not only here in Brazil, but, you know, I get calls from people all over the world uh, wanted to work with us. And this helps a lot, you know, because when they are looking for someone here in Brazil, now they are looking to Atletico and seeing that Atletico can be a good partner for them here too. And that gives us uh, the possibility of, you know, closing good deals for, for everyone. So that's why I think it's, it's, it's really important to have that kind of open mind in a business that, you know, it's usually a, a very conservative one. Yeah, well, to be honest, in preparing this podcast, we were very excited because we've had the chance of welcoming on our podcast, whether it be the French one or the international one, a lot of, you know, digital members of the sports uh, business uh, from different territories. But it's the first first time we have somebody from Latin America. So that's very interesting for our community to be able to understand a little bit how innovation works, what are the angles that work well, and deep diving into the Atletico, Atletico Minero Uh, use case is a super interesting one. Um, just having made that 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 statement, right? That Brazil is a particular market that is slow to innovate because there are certain realities that don't allow organizations to focus necessarily on innovation. What made Atlético Mineiro have a different approach and set up this innovation role inside their organization? What was the mindset behind that? Like I said, uh, Atletico started this process of uh, or uh, transformation in the end of last year when they hired uh, UI to help them to restructure the club. So a lot of political positions uh, were eliminated and they created like executive posi positions uh, here. And now innovation, it's like a, a pillar, a, ver a very important pillar of our strategic planning here. Uh, they know that Uh, clubs, especially now because of the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, if clubs and entities uh, keep doing always the same thing, they will be left behind. It's, it's to me, it's, it's, it's something that is very clear. So they, they created this position, and and today innovation stays uh, under the business units of uh, mm. the business uh, uh, units that we have here. So we have the commercial uh, uh, management, we have the marketing management, and we have innovation. Uh, and because of that, basically, I have three goals here. The first one is to discover, to find new revenue sources. We have a quote here in the department that new money is always good money. So if we were <laughs> not you know, making any money for, some, for something uh, before and now we are making money, this is very good to us. Uh, the second one is to experiment with new uh, uh, technologies and learn about them and try to understand what kind of impact those technologies will have in the future, not only of the club, but of the sports industry as a whole. And the third one uh, is to position Atletico as a pioneer, as a forward-thinking club, which is very important to our brand. Uh, I, I have to say that probably a lot of yours, uh, uh, a lot of people in your audience didn't know Atletico before, And they are only starting to know Atletico because of the things that we are doing here. 
and you know that caught your attention and that's why you invited me to be here too so this for us is very important too because it opens uh uh, a lot of possibilities for us to close different deals when we have that kind of brand, you know, as a as a, a, a pioneer club. So basically, those are the three goals that I have here. Uh, new revenue, experiment with new technologies and understand them and uh, uh, positioning Atletico as a, as a pioneer club. Okay. My, my, my only, that's very much interesting because we, I know better the uh, American way. I mean, the North American uh, model, but also the European one. And clearly, I, I don't know, but I would like your perspective on this, but clearly innovation is rarely a standalone. So just like you said, it's mainly under the, the marketing one. But still, I, I feel or I experience that innovation is not yet perceived as a new revenue stream or it's innovation, but under the, the old categories i would say so what what's your perspective on this and do you have a, a different positioning than you know helping sponsorship or helping the digital or helping the traditional broadcast uh, units to help them leverage better innovation for new revenue streams or is it like equivalent to a new business unit that needs to drive its own money but a bit different from this old or let's say traditional uh, units within uh, organizations in sports? Both. No, I, I, I have this uh, job of finding new things here, new revenue streams here for the club, but I also have the job to help uh, products that we already have. So when I started here, here in Brazil, I don't know if you know, but it's very common. Basically, every big football club, they have a membership program uh, and it's and it's one of the biggest uh, revenue streams that a football club has uh, have here in Brazil. We have today 63,000 uh, uh, members that pay monthly fees to be a, a, an official Atlético member. And of course that, you know, I have to help uh, the, the, the guy that is responsible for this program, you know, to how, how we can do a better job to our fans, how we can, you know, uh, uh, put in the, in the hands of our fans, new projects and, and, and new stuff, maybe new uh, uh, technological solutions that can help uh, in this relationship. Uh, I, I, I help to, to, uh, to, to make our relationship with our sponsors better too. So I have this mm -hmm. goal too. But I, I have to say that the main job that I have here is to find new stuff, you know, is to find uh, new revenues, is to find not only real new revenues, but, you know, things that we are building now that maybe are not uh, uh, given, uh, uh, bringing new revenue now. Just to give you an example, uh, we closed a deal with Imagine AR, which is an augmented reality a company from, from Canada. And now in our app, we have like this uh, permanent feature of AR. So we started uh, with some uh, uh, fan engagement stuff where people now can, can take uh, uh, pictures and, and shoot videos with some of our players, like and every every place that that they want, and this is something that is not generating revenue uh, to us now, but it's something that increases a lot the usage of our app. So, it, not in that in a direct way, but in a indirect way, we 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 could you know raise the value of the properties that we have inside the app now. So basically, this is something new that we 
no, created, but inside something that we already had, which is our our app. So I think that this is a good example of you know, the things that 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 we are doing here uh, under the the, the innovation uh, umbrella. And that is interesting, right? I think a couple of things that are very interesting is how you know how to create new revenue with with with. Uh... Uh, startups that you bring inside your ecosystem. I mean, I think there are three ways. It's the marketing push, it's the creating new sources of revenue or reducing costs for startups. Um, but I like the fact that you, so you have to find a new revenue stream that is interesting, but you're also thinking about creating more long-term value, right? Because, you know, like including an AR feature inside your application to drive more engagement, to keep the user coming back, obviously, creates a lot of value for the long term. And so understanding the reality of you means how do you how did you organize that collaboration with Imagine AR? Because I'm assuming that the price point wasn't the one that they traditionally would sell it at on an American North American territory or European territory. How did you make it work? How do you did you create the interest on both sides to create that longer term value? Actually, yes, you are totally right. We we signed a revenue sharing deal. Uh, and to us, it was you no know, very good. Like I said, to have that feature and to start exploring this technology, I'm a real fan of augmented uh, reality. Uh, I really think that this have a, a, a real potential of disruption in the sports, not only in the sports industry, but as we are as we work there. Uh, I'm talking about sports. Uh, and to imagine AR, it was interesting because. No, to us, they, they are using Atletico as a way to gain new markets. So they were new here in, in, in Brazil, and now they are. Now they have you know, a business case here, not only in Brazil, but, but in Latin America, and they can use that business case mm-hmm. you know, to, to sign a, a new deals and, and even to experiment. If you talk to AP, the, the CEO, he is very happy with the partnership because uh, we integrated their uh, SDK into our app, and mm-hmm. he said that it was the best integration that he, he ever uh, uh, saw, and that he was going to start using uh, the model that that we developed here, the front end that we developed here, as like an example to other clients that they have. So I think that uh, not only they are gaining a new market here in, in Latin America, but we are also helping them to, to better their, their, pro, their product too. So that's why I think that this was a good deal for both of us. Of course, that as it is a revenue sharing uh, business, uh, we have the goal of also uh, trying to show brands that maybe augmented reality can be a very good way for them to interact with our fans you know, we like to say here that instead of interrupting the fans' experience with with AR, they can be part of that experience. And but this is something like like you said, Sam. It's something that we have to build. We are building from scratch, and it's a long term journey. Uh, we like to say here that we are running a marathon and not a 100 meters uh, sprint. Uh, and basically, in uh, under the business unit, like I said, I like to say that you know. The commercial side of the business, the marketing management, they are you know, totally focused on today, on the on the shorter term. And me as a head of innovation, I, I have the freedom to look into a medium and a, and a longer term. Super interesting. And is it something that you see beyond the, the, the initiative that is led, obviously, at Atletico Minero and really taking advantage that there's a big opportunity for the market? 
is it a global dynamic on the Brazilian market where more and more clubs are actually opening up to those this innovation and finding those new revenue streams beyond the traditional ones? Or is it still an isolated uh, initiative from your end? Not isolated. We have other clubs like Atlético Paranaense, like uh, Grêmio, like Bahia. We have some other clubs that are starting to explore that, in, including hiring hiring uh, specialists in innovation just to focus on that. Uh, but if you analyze the whole market here, I, I would say that it is still much more uh, a, a, a speech thing. People talk a lot about innovation, but they don't. They don't. A lot of people they actually don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I believe that at least they are talking about it. You know, a few years ago people didn't even talk about innovation. Now they are talking about it. Now we have some uh, initiatives like ours, like like I said, like with other clubs too. And here it's pretty common, you know, the clubs, like I said, they are really conservative and they kind of wait for one or two clubs to you know to move forward. And, and, and they want to see what that will bring. And if the model is approved, they started to move themselves too. So I believe that this is a movement that it's, it is starting to, ha to, to happen here in Brazil. Uh, but we, uh, the industry as a whole is not much mature enough. And, and even us, you know, as a club, I don't consider ourselves an innovative club yet. We are on a path to be one. Why? But like okay. I said, I think that this is a long, a, a long journey. It's not now. It's not not just because they hired uh, me as a head of innovation. They they can say that no, Atlético is innovate is an innovative club. I don't think so. I don't think that we are building our path to become one in like two three years. But and so for, for you, Felipe, what what is to be innovative? If you say that today, I understand your point in terms of it's not because you work with few startups that you are all of a sudden innovative as an organization. But for you, what, what is your definition of innovation and what is the pathway, actually? What is the end for, for a club like yours? I, I believe that, you no, know, not only for a, for a club, but for, for every company to be innovative, you have to have like a mindset in everyone that works inside, the, inside, inside that organization. You have to have a freedom to everyone. Uh, you... Uh, Like I said, today here, innovation is under the business unit. But in my mind, innovation should, you know, uh, walk through every department of the club, not only business, but, you know, even uh, bureaucratic departments like financial ones, like the, the uh, law, law department. And that's why when, when you have like something that runs all over the, the company, then I think that you are really innovative. Now we are starting building that inside the, the, the business department. But like I said, our goal, at least uh, the, the goal that, that we have here is to start here, have quick wins, prove that this is not a nice to have, this is a must have. And after that, we can expand to other departments here uh, inside the club. And even the football department, when we talk about the field, uh, I don't know, what happens in Europe, but here in Brazil, they are very closed. Uh, even physically, we have like an HQ for every department, but we have the training the training ground where the football department stays and in, in, it is in a different place. So we, we still have that, oh, I don't know, here is football, you are not a guy from football. 
oh, I don't know how, how you can contribute it with it. Yeah. Well, I, the, the, that's a reality. And I think that beyond a, a football club, it is the reality in every organization right now is that there's a lot of silos and the, the yes. transversal approach is a hard one. And I think that starting innovation through the business unit is actually a better first start than to to start an innovation poll in another department where, as JB was alluding to a bit earlier, can be considered as pure innovation, but not in the business sense of way that is just more of a you know, marketing uh, tool than a, than a real new business uh, revenue stream. And I think that, you know, it, it obviously takes some, and I don't think there are that many organizations in Europe that actually are lean in the way that you're mentioning, where innovation is applied to every service because um, everybody's first looking at what are the new revenue streams and not that many organizations actually see innovation as their right uh initiative to create new revenue streams. Um, but, and just bouncing back on that. So you launched AR and you're also implicated on NFT and crypto projects, if I'm not wrong. Exactly. Uh, this was something that we started here uh, in, in Brazil. Actually, during my 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 podcast, uh, I met Nicolas Julia from SoRare. I met uh, Katie Tedman from Dapper Labs that created uh, NBA Top Shot. And it was back then when I started to be interested in that, uh, uh, in the whole movement that was happening uh, around NFTs and all the possibilities that it brings. And when I started here, I saw that this was something you no know, good for us to start exploring. And basically, we have four objectives with our uh, crypto initiatives. Of course, the first one, you know, it's, is to explore. Uh, uh, new revenue sources, like I said. And although if we compare the revenue that we already made uh, in this crypto initiatives with the biggest revenue streams that we have today, I don't think that they are that important. But like I said, we are playing the, the long journey here now. Uh, so we are kind of creating something that we, we hope that in two, three years, it will become like a, a very good revenue source for the club. Uh We want to explore different ways of engaging with not only with our fan, fans, Atletico fans, but you know, fans internationally, uh, people that maybe didn't know uh, uh, Atletico before, and because of our crypto initiatives, they started to know they they became uh, interested in the club and they can start you know uh, interacting with us. You know, just to give you two examples, our, our deal with Sorare. Uh, The vast majority of people that bought our player cards are people from abroad. Uh, we sold a card in in South America or even in other territories. Not no in Asia in Europe not not because so rare. Well, it probably makes a lot of sense, right? They, I mean, they have more money. They're looking for the future Brazilian talents. They those cards have a lot of value for them. And, and, and not only that, Sam. Uh, a simple fact that you know the platform runs on Euro. And if you compare euro with mm. the Brazilian currency, you know, it's Interest like rates. six to one. Mm. Uh, so it, it kind of becomes too expensive uh, for a normal, an average Brazilian person to be part of that. Uh, so that's why we are, we, are, we are attracting people from all over the world. Just to give you an example, we sold a card of uh, uh, Guilherme Arana, which is one of our player, uh, one of our players. He's playing the Olympics now. Uh, and and a guy from India bought it, and he paid like more than fourteen thousand uh, euros in the card. 
And it, it was probably someone who didn't know Atletico before. And now they, that he's, he owns a, a card of, a, of one of our players, not only he, he, he has a collectible from, from uh, Atletico, but also because of the cards, they, they, the, the, the performance of the players in the real world influences the performance of the card. Uh, this guy has now like a motive to you know, be, uh, be aware of what Atletico is playing and, and how the team is doing because it can influence yep. in the value of the card that this guy has. But, so, and just in general, that, that, that's like an entrepreneur's dream of having a card <laughs> that is bought at a Euro rate of a Brazilian player by an Indian. That's like all the characters <laughs> that uh, any entrepreneur is dreaming about. <laughs> this is global, globalization, right, guys? This is this yeah. is the, the the beauty of what uh, what we are we are living today, and and also other deal that we close it with Saucers.com. It's it's basically the same. Uh, it's a it's a company that works with you no know, huge uh, uh, sports brands, not only European clubs, but you know they close it, uh, deals with uh, NBA franchises, with uh, Formula One teams, uh, with the UFC, and now we are part of that too. And so in the beginning of August, we are going to launch our fan token. Uh, which is called Galo. Galo is rooster in Portuguese, and rooster is okay. our mascot. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> uh, and this this is uh, what I like to say that because the app is like an international app where you know it's not a, an Atletico app. It's an app where fans of Barcelona, of Manchester City, of the UFC, and of Atletico and other brands they have to to join. And when they join, maybe to see something about Barcelona, they can look at Atletico and see, oh, this is very interesting what they are doing. Uh, I, with their fan tokens, I can vote in this and uh, this poll. And, and to me, this is very interesting. I want to start interacting with that club. So uh, this is something that we are really excited to. Not only the new money that we are going to generate, but also the new possibilities of engaging with people from mm. all over the world, not only people in Brazil, which is pretty common. Uh, and Felipe, on this is, do you synchronize as well with the sponsorship or <clears throat> with other colleagues in terms of activation, like the digital team in terms of, okay, we do this partnership because A, we have this revenue stream and we expect to make XX number of money, but B and C, Actually, that reinforces our value proposition for sponsor whatever or for the digital platform or some of the activations you have. To which regarding, extent do you synchronize? Regarding sponsors, I think that uh, it's not something that happens. Uh, uh, it was not something that we were, think, we, we were really thinking about it when we signed the deal with Socius. But I believe that, yes, because, you know, If we if we we uh, if we consider that our main sponsor today is Betano, which is a great company that you know mm. uh, is is uh, uh, operating in different parts of the world, for them to be part of, of a, a global platform like Socius or Sorare, it's good too because their brand is appearing there too, so it is good. But I have to say, I have to be honest, it was not something that we thought about, no, let's do that because maybe we will increase the value of our Jersey properties, for, for example. But yes, definitely, this is something that happens. But actually, our goal there was to really explore different kinds of, of things and, and, and to give a, a different kind of power to our fans uh, and, and to see how, how this can, you know, 
make our relationship even closer. Uh, if we consider that, especially the, the younger ones today, they are you know, uh, uh, they have difficulties to you know, to be uh, uh, always uh, uh, consuming your content because they have so much th things that that they can do. Uh, I believe that we have to start exploring new ways for them to 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 be part and to be closer to us and giving them voting power in, in stuff like you know deciding bus layout, deciding locker room uh, layout, deciding the type of music that we'll play when the players enter the field to warm up, mm. uh, deciding uh, uh, the jersey design, deciding you know a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff can be a really powerful way for us you know to make our especially the younger fans you no know, closer to us and this way we can you know uh, monetize not only with the fan tokens but uh, as soon as you have people you know closer to you it's easier for you to sell them other stuff and, and to to uh, engage with them in, in in other different ways and it's also interesting right because Latin Americans I believe are very engaged digitally speaking yes yes. But and have you have with you know, social media, right? Yes, with social media and 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 just beyond. Actually, have you seen the engagement come from Brazil, or is it mostly from the value streams that you're creating beyond Brazil that the, the you know the the initiatives that you're launching in digital have the most impact? Because crypto is still something very uh, uncommon in, in Brazil. It's it's growing, but it's not something usual that the, the average person knows about it. Uh, the vast majority of the engagement that we are getting from the initiatives that that, that we did in this NFT uh, uh, universe and, and the token universe too, uh, the vast majority of engagement comes from abroad. Of course, that we have early adopters here, but you know, I believe that now, Especially to our Brazilian fans, we are still in a in a phase one where uh, we have to educate them. So mm. we have to do a lot of educative uh, uh, initiatives in order for them to understand better what is an NFT, why they should buy it. You know, uh, when uh, we launched uh, besides so rare, we launched two initiatives by ourselves ourselves, one with OpenSea, the other one with Binance. The Binance mm -hmm. is still ongoing. Uh, and when we announced that on our social media, the vast majority of comments were people saying, oh, what is it? I, why, why I will buy that? Because I just, uh, 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 I have a print screen of that image now, so I don't have to buy it. Because, you know, people, they, they have a hard time to, to find value in something that they cannot touch. Uh, but I believe that we have, As a, a, a club with almost 8 million fans here in Brazil, we have a, a very important role of educating people in that. Uh, and this is what we are trying to do here. So we are releasing a lot of uh, uh, video tutorials about you know, the initiatives that we are doing. Uh, we, we did uh, a live in our YouTube channel explaining you know, from the basics what, it, what is an NFT, uh, what is a fan token, what we can do with them, showing uh, use cases around the world. Uh, we did like a press conference with uh, journalists of non-crypto, uh, the, of the non-crypto universe, so sports journalists that you know they, they were asking 
really basic questions. And this was very good because they were uh, uh, taking the message to their audience. But, you know, we are still in the, in the beginning of something that we want to educate people to form a community of Atletico fans around it. And then in the medium, longer term, we can start earning uh, real money uh, with it. Of course, that I have to say again, you know, we are already doing very good money uh, uh, with those initiatives, especially if we consider uh, what I said, uh, the fact that Brazilian currency is so developed when, when you mm. compare with dollar or with euro. So when you convert uh, the amount of money that we are making, it starts to, to become very interesting to us. But like I said, uh, although this is very important, in, specifically in this crypto case, uh, we are our first goal is to build a community, and then uh, after uh, two or three mm. years, we can start, you know, uh, making to leverage uh, them. Money. Mm. Okay, clear. Interesting. And just to help the the audience uh, understand a little bit better how sports is organized and just in general football, can you explain to to our audience how sports, how football is organized in terms of? In Europe, we have the very standard model that there's a federation and under it, there's a professional league. And then the clubs are in those professional leagues. Those are open leagues, very different than the American model. How how do this how does this whole structure look like mm -hmm. in, in Brazil? Unfortunately, in Brazilian football, we don't have a professional league yet. Actually, we are in the middle of a discussion. I don't know if you heard, but we had some scandals emerging here in the Brazilian uh, confederation. And so it's the federation. So it's the CBF. We're still managing yeah. the. Okay. So for, they, for our audience, no professional league. No. Just it's the federation itself organizing the, the championship. They manage everything, uh, JB. They manage all the championships, uh, the first. Competitions, second, the rights, everything. Actually, the rights, uh, we have a law here where uh, if you want to broadcast a match, you have to have a deal with both, both uh, things teams that are playing, not only the home team. Uh, and because of that, you know, Global, which is the, the media company that owns mm -hmm. the, right, the, the rights here, they have to negotiate individually with each club. And, and actually, this is something that uh, one of the reasons that people, this actually we are, like I said, we are, we are in the middle of a discussion because, you know, the biggest clubs here, they decided to gather finally. And to and, and start talking about creating a professional league, uh, which I think would be you know uh, the, the 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 best thing that that people could do because you know Brazilian football has so much potential that is unexplored today, and I think that this happens because it the Brazilian football is still run by a political organization like like uh, CBF, and I think that. You have to have this business mindset that only a professional league can have uh, in order for you to, you know, to, mm -hmm. to explore the full potential that, that the Brazilian football uh, has. And in terms of structure, because your competitions are structured in a very different way, do, does, does it look like the direction will be to have a unified league that would be on a yearly basis and with the typical 16 to 20 clubs? Or is it going to be still very divided per region, two competitions a season, etc. Actually, our, our calendar, calendar uh, here, it, it's, it's pretty, uh, uh, you know, uh, different from what happens uh, around the world because, you know, Brazilian is a, it's a continental uh, uh, country. 
So we have 27 states. So the year for us starts uh, in January. Our season starts in January. And from January until uh, middle of April, we have like state championships, uh, mm -hmm. which, you know, like uh, uh, 10, 20 years ago were very important, were very important ch championships. Now they are not. Uh, they are kind of season <laughs> tournaments. Uh, and we also have the Brazilian League, although it's not a, a professional league. It is a league. It has the same format as, as the, the biggest leagues in Europe. So 20 teams playing uh, uh, twice during the, uh, against each other. So 38 uh, rounds. Uh, in, in the end, the team with most points, they, they win the championship. We also have the Brazilian Cup uh, here. Uh, and we have the, 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 the continental uh, tournaments like Copa Libertadores, which is our Champions League. And we have Copa Sul-Americana, which is like uh, uh, Europe League. Mm -hmm. So it's like a second tier of the continental tournament. But both are organized by Comembol, uh, not, mm -hmm. uh, not CBF. But basically, this is the structure that we have, uh, that we have today here. Yeah, on these two competitions, it's pretty similar to what we have in Europe with UEFA and not the national federations managing it, but the confederation. And, and because of the structure of the media rights, are there actually some games that end up being not displayed on television because there are just no rights that can be found with the, between the different parties? No, today, uh, basically every major uh, match is shown on TV, not only the first division, but the second, uh, the third, and even the fourth division, the fourth uh, tier here, uh, especially after uh, companies uh, uh, like Maikujo and uh, the Zone and, and those uh, international companies, they enter the Brazilian market. And because the, the best uh, TV rights were already sold to Global, they had to you know, adapt their strategies and start buying rights from the third tier, from the fourth uh, tier. But because we are a, a, a country, a huge country, You can find clubs from the, the third and the fourth tier uh, uh, clubs with a lot of fans, like a lot, okay. like a million fans in, in uh, clubs that are playing uh, in the fourth uh, tier of the of the Brazilian football. Clubs that, you know, can put like... And 50, fans are very engaged, I guess. Exactly. They, uh, they, the, those are clubs that can put like 50,000 people in the stadium when they play, mm. even play in the fourth uh, tier. So that kind of, uh, of made uh, those rights... Of course, if you compare with the first year, they are not that a uh, uh, value. But uh, for companies like the Zone uh, or or, uh, or Maikujo, they are important rights to have, especially because uh, football here it's way above other sports. Yeah, it's a religion. So volley is volley is pretty uh, volleyball is pretty huge here. Basketball too, but you know you can't compare with football. So. To them, it's better to focus on a, on a football rights, even if it's a third or fourth tier, than focusing on volleyball or athletics or swimming in, in other sports. Okay. Interesting. And so just in general, if you, if you look a bit further down the line, because that's something that where your mindset really is towards, how do you see the Brazilian football in five years? I'm in terms of optimistic. rights, in terms of organizations, do you think there will be a professional league? Do you think? Yes, I'm pretty optimistic, Sam, because like I said, we are in the middle of a discussion and we already had discussions like that to form a professional league uh, before. 
but I think that this time is really serious. Uh, I think that we have a movement in, in a lot of clubs here that they are really becoming uh, professional clubs. They are, uh, for a long time, they were run by amateurs and now they are being run uh, uh, more and more by executives, people from other sectors of the, of, of the, of the economy. They are coming to, to the sports industry and they are, they are bringing uh, that knowledge and mm-hmm. helping to 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 make this uh, the sports industry more professional. So I really think so. Uh, in in terms of uh, rights, TV rights, Globo, like I said, Globo owns uh, the rights uh, for the Brazilian league and for the Brazilian cup until the end of 2024. But you know, if we uh, look at all the movements that Globo are doing here, so. They stop it to 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 broadcast Copa Libertadores, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Copa Sul-Americana, Formula One. You know a lot of you know big rights that Global had, and because of a lot of things, Global decided not to keep them. So I really think that when 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 it comes the time to negotiate again the next the next the new right of, cycle mm-hmm. the next right cycle, uh, I believe that we will have a lot of different uh, 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 participants here. Uh, global kind of you no know, always was the major player and no one could compete with global but now you, you now we have here like HBO Max uh prime which, which has yeah, the the rights of, here and, and have, so, uh, g- g- giving the opportunity that's there do you think it will be a closed league or an open league uh in in what sense a closed league? With... Sense, do you think it will be a, a an American model where it's a closed no, league? No, no, no. Promotion yes. relegation will still exist. Yes, always with uh, with uh, relegation because, like I said, you know, we, we have here in Brazil like forty sixty clubs that that have you know a, a, a good fan bases. So you couldn't do something like that. I don't think that you know fans and and the press and and everyone would accept that well. Uh, the same way that happened with the European Super League, you know, when when everyone was talking about it and you, you we had all this movement of people against it. I don't think yeah. that it is a model that would, you know, fit here in, in Brazilian football. Yeah. And and that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like us as Europeans, we're like it's relegations and, you know, you, be, you know, that's part of the, the, the storyline. But exactly. given the opportunity and how fragmented it is in Brazil... It does sound like the 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 you know the the opportunity is more fertile in Brazil just because there isn't such a strong counterbalance as the Premier League, as UEFA, as the Bundesliga to actually say no, we would fight against that. Exactly, uh, but you know, uh, uh, I think that we are, like I said, you know, slowly, but we are getting there. You know, uh, today we have. Uh, people share so much information so we can know what happens on the Premier League. We, we know what happens on La Liga. We know what happens on Bundesliga. And we can, you know, uh, uh, take the best practice that they are doing and, you know, just adapt to our reality here, to our culture here, mm. but, you know, implement here too. So I think that we are on a good path. I'm, like I said, I'm pretty optimistic about it. Uh, and hopefully in five years when, when we talk again, uh, we will have like a strong professional league. We will have, you know, Brazilian clubs uh, uh, being able to compete, uh, at least compete with Euro- European clubs, which today mm-hmm. is not possible. 
because you know there's so much difference in terms of revenue and all that kind of stuff. But you know, like I said, I'm optimistic, and hopefully we will see and, things get better here in Brazil. And for you, Felipe, uh, to your view, like if you had to make a wish list, maybe it's a bit difficult, or it's something which is a bit I don't know if it's confidential or touchy, but if you had to make some kind of a wish list, who who would be the ideal partner for this new uh, professional league? Is you mentioned global, but global might not be there. Would it be a dozen? Uh, would it be a split between dozen? Maybe Amazon. Uh, how do you see what would be the ideal structure and the ideal partners to help the league and so the clubs as well to grow to better structure to get better revenues? But more than that, uh, what what would be on your wish list? In terms of TV rights, uh, I don't like the, the exclusivity model that we have here where one media company owns everything. I don't think that this is good. Uh, so if I have to say, uh, uh, I would prefer to have, yes, global, but maybe global with Amazon and with uh, 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 yeah. uh, another uh, another company, you know, splitting the, the so TV So two, rights. three brackets. And, exactly. Yeah. Which, which is common uh, abroad, but here in Brazil, it's not. Uh, so I, and I think that we are moving uh, to, to this path uh, here. Uh, in terms of organization, no, definitely uh, having people with experience in, in, in big leagues around the world would be very good for us. Uh, I'm a real fan of La Liga, for example. So if we could have like people from uh, La Liga doing some kind of consultancy here, uh, Because I think that what they did with the La Liga product, you know, coming from uh, a product that people only cared about Barcelona and Real Madrid, and now they could create something you know, that it's uh, above that. So I really think that this is a model that we that we could, you know, uh, 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 inspire ourselves here. Uh, people are talking a lot about, you know, uh, 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 capital funds the international ones that are looking to Brazil uh, now and, and are looking to this possibility of this new league. So uh, actually two or th uh, three weeks ago, I read uh, an article on Sportico uh, where they talked about it, uh, about, you know, the interesting, the, the interest that in you know, Europeans uh, uh, capital funds and, and American ones are, they are now looking to Brazil and to this opportunity of creating a, a, a professional league. So, And, and also, I think that it would be very good for us uh, to have agencies capable of, of uh, turning the Brazilian league uh, 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 into a global product and not only something that is, can only be sold domestically. Uh, I really think that we have this potential here, but we have to explore it better. We have to create a better brand. We have to have a better calendar. I don't know if you know, but we have something uh, that it's, uh, it's really dumb if you analyze. Uh, when the national teams play here in Brazil, our championship don't stop. don't stop. So the best players, they go play for the national teams and the clubs that are, playing the, that are paying their wages, they cannot uh, uh, have those players playing. So it's, it's something that maybe it's not good for you to have the better players Because the best players, because you know you won't be able to to count on them when when you need them. So this honestly, is, in 2021, that still sounds crazy in yes, terms of yes. like not managing the the calendar. 
with the international window and the the championship one it's is it we because have- Brazilian people are more enthusiastic about their club rather than the national team i mean or or not or yes they is are. There a reason yes they are they, they so are. they are more club centric than national team centric exactly and 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 actually this fact is something that is contributing for people to love more their clubs than the national teams because the national teams are are kind of staying on the way of the success of the clubs just to give you an example we just had the copa america here and and after the copa america the olympics started and for yeah. more than one month clubs couldn't count on their best players for more than one month so we are talking about like 10 rounds of the the brazilian league that you know atletico had uh, uh, Savarino, which is a, a player from Venezuela that that couldn't that couldn't play for for Atlético. Uh, we have uh, Alonso Junior Alonso, which is a, a Paraguayan player that were that was uh, in the Copa America too. And we didn't have Savarino and Alonso, two of the most important players that we have uh, today, playing for Atlético for more than a month because of that. So. Uh, yeah. th- this is what happens when you have like a political organization uh, being uh, 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 the owner of everything that happens here. That's why I think that, you know, having a, a professional league with a business mindset, not a political mindset, would be, you know, the ideal world uh, uh, to us here in Brazil. Super interesting. Um, unfortunately, it's already time for us to wrap up. Uh, but because it, we, it feels like it we goes go so fast. Understanding. Uh, but ultimately, what we have to hope for uh, for Brazilian football is that the leagues get closer to the level of the national team so that you can actually have a proper product that brings you to the level where it should be because Brazilian, after France, of course, have the best football players. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I have to agree, Sam. I have to agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terrific. Well, Felipe, thank you very much. I think your insights will be super useful for, for yeah. our listeners. Uh, so thanks a lot for spending the time and giving us a bit of a better understanding of what the, the shape of the market looks like and that it is possible to bring digital innovation in Latin America too. Um, just have to get creative with the right vision behind it and that it's not not a short-term play, but a long-time marathon to, to repeat what you said. Yeah. And um, just like, thank you. It's a bit refreshing to see that in the industry and to come up with new new ideas, executing them and stuff like being open-minded. I mean, being transparent about them and having this refreshing effect. That's personally, that's super interesting and and cool to, to see and to be able to exchange. Thank you guys. You know, thanks for inviting me to me. It's a pleasure to, to, to be part of, of this podcast. No, JB and Sam, you are both references to me. I'm always uh, looking into what you are doing. So to me, to be part of this conversation with you, it's an honor. And, you know, whenever you want, uh, I'll be here. Uh, It's always a pleasure to be talking to you guys. When it will be time for it, we will come to Brazil and drink caipirinhas and watch Atletico Mineiro games. Oh, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Please, please. You you love it, man. Thank you, Thank you Felipe. Felipe. And, and thanks for our, to our audience. Don't hesitate to like, share, talk about the corner around you um, and look forward to being on the next, on the next session with you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye everyone. Le corner.